So as many of you know, this is my first time sharing from the pulpit this morning. Uh, I'm not nervous. I, I always tell my kids, don't be nervous because what happens is the congregation or the people you're speaking to get nervous for you or nervous with you, you know? So I'm not nervous, but I will tell you, uh, I had a stomach bug like a month ago, several weeks ago, and I had no desire for coffee. So I decided, wow, this would be a good time to quit drinking coffee. Maybe this acid reflux that I have every now and then will go away, and it did. But this morning, because we were at this uh, tournament in, in Chicago, we drove back yesterday, eight hours uh, drive back from Chicago yesterday. We got in after midnight. And so I thought, this morning, I'll drink some coffee. And I, I just, I got these jitters, man. <laughs> so I'm not nervous but I do have the jitters, so no autographs after the service, okay? No, I mean, my, my signature will really be bad, but I do wanna ask you, you know, Eric and Anthony, like if, if there's something good that the Lord speaks through me, just say, yeah, mm, that's good. That's, you know, give it one of those, that good, or you can give an amen, you know, but uh, be careful because amen means so be it, you know? So if I say something like, boy, I was really discouraged, don't give me an amen on that. <laughs> give me an amen. Okay, you got it. I uh, had the privilege on Wednesday night to have uh, Eric and Mike uh, Steger pray for me. And uh, so they prayed for the service, and, and Mike said, now, you, you have preached overseas, right? And I said, oh, yeah, sure. No, it'll be no problem. And uh, I thought afterwards, I, I should have told him, but... But uh, Mike, you don't understand, I won't have the advantage of the interpreter giving me time to think about what I'm going to say next, you know, and to make my 20-minute sermon into a 40-minute sermon, you know, that's what you get with interpreters. I remember in Cambodia one time, a, a pastor who uh, was, was also the interpreter, he said, yeah, we had somebody give a really bad message, and he said, so I just preached a whole different message. <laughs> <laughs> And he said, the pastor was so tickled that everybody received his message with such joy. It wasn't even his message. So I don't have that advantage this morning. It's just me and the Lord, you know? So we're going to give it to you. Uh, I do feel like the Lord gave me something immediately. Uh, as soon as Kurt asked me, I felt like, wow, the Lord... You know, you, you guys know uh, when you hear from the Lord, it was like, boom, right away. And I thought later, uh, darn, I could have made this like a 30, 40-minute infomercial on Bible quiz, but uh, the Lord had given me something already. I uh, did preach in Moldova one time at a maximum security prison. Moldova is in Eastern Europe. It borders Romania. And uh, maximum security, you know, they told me it was maximum security at that I can see like three or four ways to bust people out of here. If, if I can see ways, you know. If little old me just looking at it for the first time could see ways to bust people out, it's, you know, not very secure. Uh, but in any case, uh, as I was preaching, you know, I'm just like hammering one thought after another. And then the interpreter, he kind of slowed things down and softened it. And, and uh, I'm thinking, wow, he, he's changing, you know. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, he's luring people in, then he's hitting them again. And I thought, wow, I can learn from this, you know. So sometimes interpreters do help you, but, uh, yeah, we're going to give it to you, just me and the Lord this morning. So I think I'm warmed up. Uh, 
So the title of the series is Below the Surface. Oh, by the way, hi, Pastor Kurt and our staff. Our staff is at a conference out near Harrisburg, and uh, I'm the black sheep, you know, since I had to go to Chicago. I get to give the message this morning. I'm joking about that. But in any case, the, the title of our series is Below the Surface. Okay, and so the idea is that we would be introspective and look at our lives look at our secret time with the Lord and, uh, you know, are we, are we developing those deep roots? Are we digging those deep wells so that in times of dryness in our life that, that the well doesn't go dry, right? That we have a, a firm foundation on the Word of God and the things of God. And so, uh, but I do have a little bit of a twist this morning. It's not going to be just introspective, but we're going to go below the surface of God's Word. So today is about the foundation of God's Word, and we're going to look below the surface of uh, God's Word. And my hope, my hope is that it will be an inspiration to you that you'll find energy in when, uh, when you go to God's Word, okay? So let's uh, open in prayer and ask the Lord for His help, because after all, he is the one that can do that spiritual work within us. Father, we thank you so much for your word. It is, uh, it is a light, a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, Lord. And uh, we're just grateful that you love us so much, that you've given us your word. Father, I thank you for this uh, revelation that you want to share with your people this morning. And uh, I pray that it would transform us, that truly it would transform us that uh, we can be about your work, about the things that you've called us to be about. We give you praise and thanksgiving, and uh, thank you, Lord, for the good help of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. So we want to establish a firm foundation on God's word. We want to be self-feeders. Uh, the idea is not just to come on Sunday morning and be fed Sunday morning, and that's it. Uh, God wants us to be self-feeders and to establish our roots in his word that we can, uh, again, not have a well that dries up when, when things are tough, but that we can uh, be deeply rooted in God's word. You know, sometimes, uh, and many of you probably have experienced this, you come out of college, you get your first job, and uh, I know for me, it was a real eye-opener. It was like, I've learned more in one month on the job than I have in all my years of schooling. And uh, why is that? Why is that? It's because you're actually hands-on. You're doing what you've been preparing to do. You've studied for years, and now you're doing the work, uh, putting what you've studied into practice. And as you do that, it just makes a huge amount of difference in the progress that you make and the understanding of what you're actually doing. And uh, if you would relate that to God's word, it's like you want to be about what God's word is, is uh, teaching you. You want to be, uh, boy, it's not just that you want to hear, but you want to be a doer. Amen? So, uh, yeah, we're going to not just be introspective, but we're going to go deep into what God's word is about. Now, uh, give me a show of hands this morning. 
Who here has ever been in a church where you've done a responsive reading? If you know what a responsive reading is, oh my goodness, we got a bunch of people. Okay, so in the Presbyterian church, when I was growing up, we did responsive readings. Sometimes it's printed in the bulletin. Sometimes it says, you know, turn to hymnal page, you know, 645, and we'll do the responsive reading number 18 or whatever. But what it is, is um, the leader would read part of a verse, and then the uh, congregation would respond by maybe reading the next part of the verse, or read uh, part of a verse or something like that, and the congregation would respond by saying, you know, amen, or the Lord is uh, everlasting mercy, whatever. So this morning, we're going to do a responsive reading with the, with the verses that we're uh, going to look at today. So if you would all look with me up here, and how it'll work is I'll read part of the verse. When I'm done, you read the same part of the verse. Now, uh, we're going to throw two twists in there. Uh, one, one is that you're going to hold up a Bible. So if you grab that pew Bible in front of you, or if you use your phone, you're going to hold it up, and we're going to say this together. And the second twist is that you believe it, okay? That you believe what you're reading, because a lot of times, almost all of the time, spiritual things uh, are, are put into action by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, Right? And so we're going to believe this. And if you're a non-believer, if you're just here today, or if you're watching online today, you just don't believe, well, muster up as much faith as you can because God's word can transform you. It can call you. It can speak to you and change your life. Uh, so here we go. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow. And And able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight. But all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Amen. Okay, now that's the New American Standard uh, version of the Bible. That's what I've grew up studying uh, since I got saved. I was taught by my uh, first pastor that that's the Bible version they use in heaven. So I'm going (laughs) to stick with it. And uh, just so you know, the the message of the Bible, you know, the version of the Bible, it doesn't change. The message from God is the same. So whatever version you use is is okay. So uh, we're going to look at uh, Hebrews 4.12 a a little bit closer. Um, I do want to skip over. Is it still up there? Okay, the Word of God is living. We're going to jump to active because uh, the Word of God is living is where I want to really... share what the Lord has revealed and, uh, yeah, make a difference in our lives. So the Word of God is active. Uh, This active, this active word is uh, a Greek word where we get our word energy. If you looked up the Greek word, it would be just 
something very similar to energy. And, you know, the, the, uh, oftentimes we just don't have the energy to be in God's word. So we, we, we relax by doing something else. But, you know, uh, if we believe this, and again, uh, if you have faith in what God's word says, it becomes activated in your life. So if you believe this, you can draw the energy out of God's word. You might not have the energy when you get in it, but God can, God can do a work to energize you as you're reading God's word. The word of God uh, is active. Uh, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. So uh, some of you hunters or some of you guys that know about knives, knives have a spine on it. It's the blunt edge. But the word of God doesn't have a blunt edge. It's sharp on both sides. It cuts both ways. So you get in the word of God, you might be encouraged and lifted up. But at the same time, you might be rebuked and corrected, right? And this is a good thing because when God loves you, he corrects you. He wants you to to change and get back on the right path. It's a two-edged sword. If you're a believer, the word of God brings life. If you're a non-believer, those who don't believe, I hate to tell you, but it it yields death, right? So it's a two-edged sword. Piercing as far as division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow. Uh, The apostle Paul said, we're made up of body, soul, and spirit. So we have this physical body. We have a soul, which... If you read through the scriptures, it's really, really difficult to discern what what is part of your soul and what is part of your spirit. Uh, All the scholars would say, and as best as you can tell from the scripture, your soul is uh, your emotions and your thoughts, your, uh, you know, those kind of things that you're working out in your spirit is is your God consciousness. Um, But the word of God uh, affects both the immaterial and the material like your joints and marrow. Uh, Things that are so intertwined that to you and I, we would have a difficult time discerning the difference, but God's word can sort it out. Yes, God's word can sort it out. And uh, able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Isn't it something how uh, sometimes we're not even sure ourselves? Is uh, Is this of the Lord? Or is this, uh, is this my thoughts? Is this my desires? Or is this the Lord giving me these desires to do these things? God's word's able to discern that. God's word's able to help you discern that to judge uh, the thoughts and intentions. He can separate it out. Uh, and how many of you know uh, or have experienced, especially as a new believer, uh, you listen to a sermon on the radio, you go to church or whatever, and uh, you think, wow, the pastor read my mail. He's, he's speaking right to me. I mean, I think all of you uh, at, at one time as a young believer had those thoughts. I don't know if as a new believer, we're just much more sensitive to, to that separating, that judging. But uh, I'm, I'm sure that all of us have uh, at one time thought, wow, you know, he knew exactly what I needed to hear today. That, was, that message was for me. God's word is able to do that. Uh, And there is no creature hidden from his sight, 
but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Uh, I like other translations better that says, to whom we must give an account or to whom we are accountable. So before we go there, uh, let's go back to God's word is living. What does that mean, God's word is living? This is not just a poetic, uh, poetic verse meant to inspire you. That, oh yeah, God's word is living, but there's, there's a real very spiritual truth behind this. And uh, to, to understand that spiritual truth, uh, we, need to, uh, we need to see what uh, dead means. So let's go to uh, Exodus. Let's see here if I can... Exodus 3, chapter 3 and verse Yeah, actually, before we go to Exodus, I want to talk about, uh, about the dead. Okay, so in Scripture, uh, we see that in the par- parable of the prodigal son, the father says uh, of the prodigal son, this son of mine was dead, but he has come back to life again. So uh, we see that the son was physically living, but the Scripture says, or the father said that he was dead. Jesus told one of his potential followers, follow me and allow the dead to bury their own dead. Again, these people were living, but uh, Jesus said, uh, allow the dead to bury their own dead. So he's talking something uh, about some other situation as opposed to just being physically dead because dead people can't bury uh, physically dead people. Paul wrote to Timothy about widows in 1 Timothy 5, 6. He says, But she who gives herself to wanton pleasure, this is widows who give themselves over to wanton pleasure, is dead even while she lives. Paul wrote to to more than one of the churches telling them that you were dead in your transgressions and sins, or because of your sins, you were dead. He tells the Romans to continue in, in God's kindness, otherwise you also will be cut off. The term uh, cut off is used a number of times in the Old Testament. Uh, Peter preached uh, that the Lord shall raise up a prophet, and it uh, says, every soul that does not heed that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. 
Isaiah tells the children of Israel in uh, chapter 59, verse 2, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. Uh, He also credits the Lord as saying in chapter 50, verse 1, where is the certificate of your mother's divorce, whom I have put away? Or which of my creditors is it to whom I have sold you? But for your iniquities, you have sold yourself. And for your transgressions, your mother has been put away. So these are all ways of saying that apart from God, we're spiritually dead, okay? And this is the, this is the, this is the number one important spiritual truth that apart from God, we are considered spiritually dead by, by the scriptures, okay? God said to Adam and Eve in the garden, uh, you know, from any tree of the garden uh, you may eat, except from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. So they ate of it, but they did not die that day, right? And then, and then Satan comes along and he says, ah, surely you will not die if you eat of the tree, right? So I choose to believe God's word, not what Satan has said. And so the day that they ate of it, they did die. They died spiritually. And the scripture calls it many different things. Dead in your transgressions and sins, separated from God, lost, cut off, sold, excluded, outside the camp, outside the camp of life, strangers, without God. All of these things, the scripture describes in many ways the, 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 the main problem. See, God desired to have a family, right? He desired to have a bunch of children. And uh, Adam and Eve sinned, and then uh, death came, death entered uh, through sin. So uh, how do we understand life without understanding death? It's not possible. So they're not physically dead. Uh, it's not like a, a brother and a sister arguing. Uh, the, the brother gets into the bathroom before the sister and says, you are dead, you know? That's not the dead that the scripture is talking about. And it's not a poetic death. It's not something that, uh, oh, Uh, There is a very real spiritual truth to this, okay? We're dead and separated from God. So it's true, Adam and Eve were dead. They were cut off, they were lost, they were put outside the camp, or actually they were put outside the garden. And uh, we all uh, all, uh, suffer that same situation apart from God. And of course, uh, Jesus Christ was sent to, uh, to remedy that situation. A prophet was promised, and it is Jesus Christ who has purchased us back, who has redeemed us, who has bought us back into that relationship. Now, I do believe that when we believe on Christ, there is a very real spiritual transaction that takes place. It's in the spiritual realm. You are truly reconnected to God regardless of our sin, because our sin has been dealt with on the cross. Through the blood of Christ, he has purchased us back. Um, and I liken it to uh, Valentine's uh, Day is a, is a great example that I like to use. Uh, I do like the term cut off as uh, maybe the best out of the scriptures, because if you think of Valentine's, we often say, yeah, I, I got my wife or I got my Valentine." Uh, live flowers, but they're not live at all. (laughs) They look like they're alive, 
And in fact, there's many people walking around that look like they're alive, but they're dead. Why are they dead? They've been cut off from their source of life, right? They aren't uh, drawing the nutrients. They don't have the deep roots any longer. They've been cut off from their source of life. And yeah, they can look like they're alive for a time, but they are in fact dead. They've been cut off. Jesus gave the great example about the vine and the branches. He says, uh, you know, those that uh, are not living, them, them branches are cut off. They're thrown away to be burned. And unless you abide in the vine, you do not have life. Uh, so there is a very real sense that apart from the vine, you can do nothing. You aren't even alive. So you might be thinking, okay, uh, dead, you know, spiritually, Jesus made us alive, but how does that relate to living, the, 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 the word of God being living? Well, let's take a closer look at what life is. Now, if we turn to Exodus chapter 3, and uh, we're going to start in verse uh, 13. So uh, this is Moses. Moses has been called to go to the people of Israel, and God is speaking to Moses in uh, Exodus chapter 3, and in verse 13, uh, then Moses said to God, behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God says to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus, you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Okay, so this is very interesting to me. Uh, it's it's uh, fun studying this out. But God is saying uh, in the first person to, to Abraham, I am who I am. Uh, the root of that word is to be or to exist. I be, I am, I exist. And then when he tells him further down here in uh, verse 15, uh, his name, he switches over. Some of you English uh, majors would know. He switches over to a different uh, tense. And so the word group is the same word group of I am or I be or I exist uh, and he uses a different word, not just I am. But God, in verse 15, God furthermore said to Moses, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, the Lord. And in your Bible, uh, it's a capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Uh, the Jews uh, would not use the name of the Lord in their transcriptions, uh, but it's Yahweh. That, that word right there is Yahweh. Uh, scholars call it the tetragrammaton. It's a four-letter uh, consonants of, of that root word to be. And in uh, scholars have determined, and this bears witness with my spirit, uh, and scholars differ on this, but uh, it bears witness with my spirit that the word translation in the vowels that are placed in, within those four consonants yields the word Yahweh. And the reason it uh, bears witness with my spirit is because uh, Yahweh is not the first person I am, but it yields uh, the meaning he who causes to be or he who brings being into being. Do you see, we use the term the great I am oftentimes, but that isn't in the scripture. Uh, it's uh, Yahweh is the great I am in the sense that we see 
that he is the one who causes everything to be. He is the great one who causes everything that is to exist, right? And so uh, God furthermore says to Moses, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial name to all generations. So we have a God with a real proper name. His name is Yahweh. We don't use it a lot. The scripture uses it, uh, I think, over 8,000 times. You know, every time you see the word Lord, cap- all capitalized, that's, that's Yahweh, our God. And he is the one that causes everything to be. So what does that mean? He is the one from whom life comes. He is the one who causes to be. He who brings being into being. He is the source of life. So if we go back to Hebrews 4.12, it starts out saying, the word of God is living. So why is this important? Because the word of God is part of the source of everything that is. It is part of the source of life. True life. Not a life in the physical, but of true spiritual life. The word of God. In fact, I would go as far as to say the word of God is life. It is the source of life. It's interesting, uh, the the book of Hebrews is very interesting in that uh, it's talking all about Jesus. If we took a quick survey of the book of Hebrews and looked at the first uh, 10 chapters, you could have section titles all throughout the book of Hebrews that that starts out with, Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater. Starts out, Jesus is greater than the prophets. Jesus is greater than the angels. Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus is greater than Joshua. Jesus is greater uh, than the high priest. Jesus is greater than the Levitical priests. Jesus, as the high priest after the order of Melchizedek, is greater than Abraham. Uh, Jesus' ministry is greater than the tabernacle ministry. Jesus' ministry, or his new covenant, is greater than the old covenant. Jesus' sacrifice is greater than the Old Testament sacrifices. If we go, uh, look, go back to Hebrews and look at chapter 1 and verse 1. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways. In these last days, he has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things. Oh, and by the way, through whom he also made the world. So Jesus uh, is started out here in, in, in verse, uh, verse one as being, this is an introduction to who Uh, what we're going to talk about in Hebrews. And of course, the first 10 chapters, it's all about uh, Jesus being greater than the Old Testament and so on and so forth. This was written to the Jews uh, living in Jerusalem, the Jewish Christians uh, living in Jerusalem. 
So it's interesting, when we come to chapter four, it's kind of out of the blue or almost out of character that in verse 12, it starts out for, you know, because of all these things, because Jesus is greater, Jesus is greater, Jesus is greater. For the word of God is living and active. And you kind of wonder, why did we switch from Jesus to the word of God? We've been talking about Jesus and then we come for the word of God. And it's interesting because if you get down to verse, uh, verse 13, uh, we, we've just talked in verse 12 about the word of God. What, what is it? It's piercing. It divides soul and spirit. It's able to just lay out the thoughts and intentions of your heart. It's able to bear your soul, right? The word of God does these things. And then in verse 13, and there is no creature hidden from his sight. Wait a minute. We were just talking about the word of God. The word of God lays open and bears all things, right? And then, and then verse 13 said, and there is no creature hidden from his sight. Wow. But all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him to whom we have to do. Some of your translations might say, there is no creature hidden from God's sight. It doesn't say God's. It's interesting, there's a, a, there's a website called biblehub.com. You can go on biblehub.com and uh, type in a scripture verse, and then you click on the interlinear Hebrew and Greek, uh, and it'll bring up all the Greek words, all the Hebrew words, and it translates each word, what it actually is. And you can click on that word and go find out where it's all used, how many times it's used, what's it, what the translations are. It's really a very, very neat study tool. But the word God's isn't in there. It's his. Uh, all things are open, lay bare, uh, no creature is hidden from his sight. It doesn't say from God's sight. But all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him, again, him, with whom we have to do. You see, it bears witness with my spirit that this him is the word of God. That this, uh, in verse 12, the word of God is living, is talking about the same, verse 13, his sight. And I intentionally didn't put it up on the screen, all, the, all these verses, because I want you to, to begin to, to dig to the word of God yourself. This is, this is the sword of the spirit. You don't go to battle and say, hey, can I borrow somebody's sword here? You, know, you want to go with your own sword. You want to go with your own word. Become a self-feeder. Become, build your foundation on God's word. And the foundation is Jesus Christ. There is no creature hidden from his sight but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him whom we have to do or to whom we must give an account. Therefore, since we have a great high priest, again, it goes back to this great high priest. Who is this great high priest? Who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. So the foundation being the word of God that that, that you want to build upon, that you want your foundation, that introspectively you want to look into your life and say, what is my foundation? You want it to be on Jesus, on Jesus. Everything looks to Jesus. Everything looks through that cross. This is our connection to God. It's a very real spiritual connection. And, and, and it's a very real food. This is food for our spirits. Just like our physical body needs physical food to sustain ourselves, our spiritual bodies need 
spiritual food to sustain ourselves. It comes from Jesus. To, to, uh, to really bring this all together, uh, we can go to John chapter 1. And uh, many of you know exactly where we're going with this. This is, uh, this is the book that we're studying next year, the book of John. It's, uh, it's my favorite book in, in the scriptures. So if we build our foundation on God's word, we are building our foundation on Jesus himself. Uh, this is the logos of God. I mean, we, we have the rhema of God, the spoken word of God. We love to receive the spoken word of God. We love to receive uh, things that God says to us. Uh, we love to read about the spoken things of God that he speaks over our lives. And again, you have to mix this with faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, if you, if you don't believe that the word of God is living, that the word of God is coming from the source of life, then it may not give you that energy that you need. But when you dig in and say, yes, God, I trust you, even though I don't have the energy to be in your word today, I'm gonna draw energy from the word of God, it affects you. Jesus, uh, you know, could Jesus do miracles? Of course he could. But in his hometown, they hardly received. Why? Because of their lack of faith. So in John chapter one, it starts out, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. I love in, uh, uh, it's Micah in chapter five of Micah. It says, uh, the, the, there'll be one that comes from Bethlehem and his going, goings forth was from long ago. You know, he didn't come just from Bethlehem. His going forth was from long ago. Jesus Christ existed from eternity past. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things, say all things, came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Wow. Is that that an endorsement? Is that a stamp on uh, Hebrews uh, 4.12? The word of God is living. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Uh, You know, I got to share in India one time about Jesus Christ saying, I am the way and the truth and the life, and nobody comes to the Father through me. And of course, uh, the many Indian gods might claim that they have uh, a knowledge of the way. In fact, in Buddhism, there is, uh, there, there, there is a uh, religious part of it called Taoism, I think. And it, it's about, all about the way, knowing the way, pointing you to the way. Jesus never, ever claimed to know the way. He is the way. He never, ever claimed to know the way to life or how to get life. He is life. He's the source from whom everything that has come into being has come into being. He never claimed to know the truth. He is the truth. So the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. 
There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light, which, coming into the world, enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. By the way, the world was made through him. And the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Amen. Even to those who believe in his name, who was born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So uh, there's no lineage. You know, if you're in the lineage of Abraham, sorry, you don't get a pass. If you're of royal blood, uh uh-uh, no. It's not uh, of the flesh. It's not even of the will of man. You can't say, wow, uh, I can do a physical adoption. Can't I adopt my kids into the kingdom of God? Uh, you got to get it on your own. Uh, I went to a conference one time with, uh, uh, who's, who, who's the guy down in Houston, Texas that has the huge church, uh, bought the Coliseum? Joel Osteen. Okay, so this was his father, John Osteen. Uh, so this was some years ago. But uh, John Osteen was a Baptist pastor. He got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh, there, there was a big storm and it knocked the Baptist sign off his church and he said, we're going to leave it off, you know. <laughs> but uh, he, uh, other people said, well, John, what, what are you talking about? You got this baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, help me. I, I'm hungry for God. He goes, no, no, no. You get it on your own. And I just thought that was interesting. But yeah, children, man, just because your parents know the Lord, it doesn't mean you got to pass. It's not of the will of man, not of the will of flesh. It's not of blood, but it's a thing that God does. But his word is true. If you seek him, if you call upon his name, he will transform. He, he will do this spiritual connection uh, that Jesus makes possible through his death on the cross. Verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us or he tabernacled among us. And we saw his glory, glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified of him uh, and cried out saying, this is he of whom I said, he who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. You see, his goings forth were from long ago. For of his fullness we have all received, grace upon grace, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time, or actually it means no one has uh, fully understood or comprehended God at any time. But the only begotten of God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. Jesus Christ has explained or made fully known the Father. He said, if you see me, you have seen him. If you fully comprehended and understand me, you fully comprehend and understand the Father. He is the source of life. He is living. God's word is living. He is God's word. So this is our message uh, this morning, and uh, pray that it bears witness with your spirit, and that when you get into the word of God, it will be uh, 
just from a new angle, uh, you'll see things in a new light, that this is not just words on a page. You know, we, uh, we do Bible quiz, and I understand people tell me, uh, kids that do Bible quiz, it doesn't mean they're saved. Oh, I know better than anyone that that's not true. You know, that it doesn't save you just by memorizing the Word of God. I have one quizzer uh, from years past who just, ah, uh, I just uh, weep over almost, you know, not following the Lord. But I know the Holy Spirit loves to use the Word of God. Why? Because it's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus' words that are in him. And uh, the, the leader of Bible Quiz always uh, says, I get testimonies all the time of people saying, oh, I was a miserable sinner for years and years. But the Lord got a hold of me, you know, I'm... I'm 32 years old. We had our first couple of kids, and I started thinking about eternal things and, you know, wanting the best for my kids, and the Lord got a hold of me. And I turned my life over to him, and I've never been the same. I, uh, you, you know, I was uh, in uh, school, uh, c- came out of school. Actually, we had our first child, Grant, uh, and we got invited to a Bible study. And it was kids with, that we were in uh, high school with. And I never really recognized that they were much different in high school. I guess to some degree I did, but uh, they invited us to Bible study. And I can remember thinking, ah, Nora, I really don't want to go to that Bible study. I, you know, I kind of know God as much as I want to know God. I don't, I don't, if, if I know him more, he might call me to be a missionary or a pastor or something. <laughs> Honestly. I honestly thought that. And, uh, but, you know, the scripture says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And I felt this, uh, this pooling at my heart, like, yeah, we should get involved. Yeah, yeah, we really should. And so we started going, and it wasn't, it wasn't very long at all that we realized they got something that we don't have. They got something that we don't have. And we weren't studying anything that was really revolutionary. I mean, we were going through Proverbs and uh, just different things and trying to memorize some scripture, uh, just young people in a Bible study enjoying the fellowship and, and the word of God was working in us. And then one day uh, there was some questions about, uh, well, you know, abortion, if, uh, if somebody would uh, rape somebody, you know, wouldn't abortion be okay in that situation? And, and the leader said, man, God knows everything. He's he knows the hairs on your head. He's got it all figured out. He knows about all things. You know, uh, you don't want to take a life that God has created. And that verse, he know, he's got the hairs on her head all numbered. It hit me like a ton of bricks. I mean, it was a spiritual whoosh inside of me that came to life, and I realized he knows everything about me. Yes, I'm better than this person. I'm better than my neighbor. I'm, I'm a good guy. I go to church. But man, I knew there were things that I did not want revealed to the Father. I just knew that I wasn't, you know, being judged on his standard that I came short. And I went home that night and I got on the floor in the kitchen and I cried to the Lord. I mean, I wept. I wept. Lord, I'll never do those things again. I'll never do that, Lord. Please, Lord, forgive me. 
and he changed me. I mean, he changed me forever. And I'm telling you, there was a very real spiritual connection to the source of life. I was dead. I was separated. I was cut off. I was that flower that looked like I was alive. Good person. I was a good-looking flower. (laughs) But I was dead. I was dead. And he made me alive. He, and according to some of those other people that were dead, he made me goofy too in the process, you know. <laughs> Sometimes it's a struggle, isn't it? I mean, people thought I joined a cult. And man, he's gone on. The, Dave Warnock, he's got religion, man. They'd invite me to things. I said, no, nah, I, I got born again. Yeah, okay, you're one of those born againers. There isn't any other kind. You have to be born again. You have to get this new regeneration of the spirit. You have to have that spiritual connection to have life. You can't just be a good person. You don't come to church to be a better person. So if you're here this morning, you're here for a reason. If you haven't experienced that that spiritual reconnection with God, you are a dead flower. You're separated. And God can transform you. God can reconnect you to true life. He can make you a child of God. And that's his desire. He wants a big family. You know, I've, I've thought many times, wow, is it, is it punishment? Is it punishment that Adam and Eve became separated from God? And I just haven't fully, uh, fully determined yet, you know. God is perfectly holy. He is pure. And just like water and oil don't mix Sin can't be in the presence of God. The scripture says, by your iniquities, you know, whom of my creditors did I sell you? Isaiah, God speaks through Isaiah. He said, no, no, no. By your iniquities, you have sold yourselves. It's not punishment that you're separated from God. He loves you. He wants you to be connected to him. He wants to be your father and you to be his child. So I, I realize there's many different people some people, they need to respond to an altar call. They need to, they need to make that, uh, that step, you know, that it's, it's so important to them to, to, to decide, okay, I'm going to take that step today. Uh, other people, they just get saved right in the pew. That's kind of me, just no nonsense, you know. Well, I believe, and I'm going to follow after Christ. And then he does a work in you. So it can happen coming forward. It can happen in your pew. But you need a spiritual reconnection if you want to have life. And this is the Word of God. It can transform you every time you dip into the Word. You know, start reading John. John's a difficult book to understand, but you just grasp what you, what you can. What you know, you hang on to. What you can obey, you obey. What you don't understand, you just plow through. Get to something you do understand. And God will minister to you He'll bring people across your path. Pastor Todd will get you discipled. Oh, God is so good. He loves you. Or maybe maybe you've been saved. Maybe you've been transformed, but your well is getting dry. And you realize it. Man, my well is not as deep as I wish. My well is drying up. I need a deeper well so that the water will, will, will be there when I need to draw upon it. 
be thirst and uh, it would be water to my soul and spirit. Uh, so if you want to dedicate yourself this morning to just getting back in God's word and to, to, to allow Jesus to minister to you, to give you that energy, believe that he will give you that energy to be in his word. So we're going to close this morning. If you feel like you need to come forward just to, to dedicate yourself to the Lord's word, to have him minister to you, or if maybe this is just the first time that you've decided to give your life to Christ. We're not going to have an altar team up here to pray with you. It's just going to be you and God. Just God ministering to you and you calling out to God. Father, we do thank you and praise you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus. The Word of God. The Word of God who has dwelt among us who has shown us the Father, who lives in us by the Holy Spirit, who guides us, a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. You've given us everything pertaining to life and godliness in Christ Jesus. you love us. Father, we do believe in your word. We believe that it is living. We believe that it is energy. That it can encourage us and it can also rebuke us. We thank you, Lord, for your discipline, for your correction. And we thank you for your encouragement that you are the lifter of our heads. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, we do pray for your grace, your mercy to be poured out, for your ministry to continue outside these walls. Father, that we would be deep-rooted in the family of God, that we would be transformed by your word, that we would be empowered by your Holy Spirit, all to advance your kingdom, Lord, everywhere we go. Thank you, Father, for this word this morning, for ministering to us. We give you thanks in the wonderful name of Jesus. And everybody said, Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org. 